This is Alex J. Aguiar, and you are listening to Pod With Me. Ready. This episode, we have legendary singer, music producer, and DJ Tony Moran. He's one of the pioneers to freestyle music and has worked with some of the most famous artists on the planet. And he's here to tell us his story. Get ready, because the pod starts now. And then we get this call, like this song called comes out called Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper. And then we were doing some really interesting stuff in there, I guess, to whoever was listening and that wanted to be Cindy Lauper's producer. The radio station, who then gave him the call, the phone number to my mother's house. And he was like, can I speak to Tony Moran? She's like, oh, my mom's like, excuse me, echo me. <laughs> Who's calling? You know, <laughs> you know, like... My mom is that Latino woman. You yeah, know, she's yeah. so like echo me. Ready? Let's go. I'm excited to have you here, Tony. Welcome to the pod. You know, it must be used one of my favorite tracks. I jammed to it for so long in my car and I will blast it and you know this music that just brings me back and I really love and you're very successful as a DJ you're kicking butt doing remixes for all these amazing stars Tony we want to know how did it all start well um so I'm from Brooklyn New York everybody mm -hmm. if anybody wants to know some people call it the ghetto and some people call it home I was brought up in an environment where you know I didn't get to go outside and play much because there was just so much violence going on mm. in that, you know, I lived in an uh, area called Brownsville and it wasn't hateful because there were people, we go to church, uh, we stick together. We only could play like pretty much in the, in the basement of the church. Um, and so basically you, you learn how to build on relationships, not just from school, like, you know, building relationships from church, uh, applied a lot more things that you had in common. I've eaten at so many different mother's houses and my mother would feed so many different people and they were like, just come, everybody come. You know what I mean? So we were rich in, in love. There was something in me that needed to get expressed, yet I did not know what that was. When I was in high school, there were the smart kids and there was those whatever you call the cool kids. And, and I just couldn't find my way to fit into any group. Was the, that was the age of the mixtape and the block party and all those kinds of things. And when my parents would let me go out, they would come with me, go to a block party. And I was mesmerized because it wasn't even dance music free, as we know it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, disco happened right before me. So even though I could listen to it on our radio, I couldn't experience what it felt like except through my my boombox that only had one speaker working. Mm -hmm. So uh, so I couldn't experience the dance music experience in stereo it was in mono i saw that kids could kind of break it down and they'll want to be around a cool kid without feeling without feeling like an outsider or watch the cool kids or whatever and it was based around like somebody passing around mixtapes yeah you know what i mean and and i was like oh my god i love music you know i still again because i wasn't exposed to the variety of sounds i have found a new communication tool that may work for me mm -hmm. so it wasn't methodical Mm -hmm. It was like the answers, like, you know, you know, how are you going to know if you're a good ice skater unless somebody actually brings you to the ice? Your pair of roller skates. I spent the whole summer, like, getting any job, like, pressing clothes and dry cleaners, working at the supermarket, anything to save up so I could buy vinyl music, which my first one being Rapper's Delight. I played that to death. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, then I started listening to other tracks like Chic Album. 
you know, Michael Jackson album had just come out. And then all of a sudden I got, I, you know, I couldn't afford to pay for music anymore to that level. So I got myself a job. I offered myself to go and pack boxes at a record store that was a DJ specialty store in New York called Downtown Records. That is a world famous hub where many of DJs, of the famed DJs across the land in various genres, um, mm -hmm went there as their music source because they sold things that weren't available in America. They sold imports. Whoever's listening and understands New York a little bit, I basically uh, was only able to buy music equipment by going to flea markets and buying pieces of speakers that were broken and amplifiers that weren't working. And, and I was like, well, this is like $20 versus like $200 at the Wiz. Mm -hmm. And I just had to teach myself how to put stuff together. My dad would help me try to put it together, you know, instead of like maybe putting a puzzle together. And, you know, people that we live next door will come in and just help me put pieces together or say, look, you know, I found speaker wire, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, I just was like, okay, like now let me see what the craft means to me with one turntable and my parents' turntable from the family stereo, that's the whole unit, you know, as like piece of furniture. Mm -hmm. And then by the time I got into my sophomore year, I had saved up for the least expensive turntables that you could get that had the tools so that you can synchronize the tempos of the music to, to blend. You know, I just felt like I had a knack for it. So when I went into my sophomore, I must have bought like one, one notebook two pencils, a pen, a Sharpie, and about 200 cassettes. And I passed them all around the school. Well, what type of music was in, on those cassettes? It was, a, it was a cross of like rap music and limited um, dance music. So Evelyn Champagne King. As disco was entering the electronic age, people who love music uh, knew that places existed in New York City. It being a mecca and a melting pot of all kinds of musical styles. So we had heard about the Paradise Garage, Bonds and Kenny Carpenter and Larry LeBan, Mark Caymans from Desinteria. And we just all would like, you know, fantasize and, and try to create, like try to keep create theories of how we'd be able to sneak in the club. And I started to kind of like get to a point where I was listening to music to such a great degree. I really, then I started, I joined a, a crew called PRD, called Puerto Rican and Dominican. It was a DJ crew, mm -hmm. even though I'm Colombian, like they didn't give me my own letter, but mm -hmm. they let me DJ. And I started doing block parties and then all of a sudden I could feel the energy of people responding to music that I was playing. And I could also feel that maybe there was a way that I did it that didn't, sound like I was trying to copy what somebody else was doing. You don't need any kind of physical energy to energize an idea. Mm -hmm. That energy comes together out of nowhere where you don't remember what you ate, you don't remember whatever, yeah. you're just doing your thing. And, and is that, that's like almost like the nirvana. That is the paradise of creative people. Be in that zone where you're so in it that it's okay to be lost in it because that's the moment where you get where the where the world is limitless it's a universe anything is possible so um so for my dj mixing stuff i'm like well what else can i do you know that's going to make these transitions and this musical style apply records are going by and i love to hear them play and i'm loving the songs and now why am i understanding the lyrics so much i'm not i haven't been in a relationship so i don't know what it feels like to break up with somebody but i know that the words were crafted in such a way 
like I Want Your Love by Sheik. It's just, it is not this giant poem. It's like, I want your love. I need your love. And it just, it's just like, wow. You know, even though those kind of lyrics have been said a million times, I'm sure, mm-hmm. for some reason, that melody and that lyric lead to something that I feel is so special. Um, so what I'm trying to say is that I said, well, there's something that I need to try to see how I can bring out the attention that's being put onto these songs that I adore so much. The moment in time that what inspired me was listening to this um the pretty much like one of the godfathers or you know one of the originators of the art of remixing his name is Shep Pettibone and and um two of them are pretty much like my godfathers like you know Shep Pettibone and another producer remixer that was amazing named Arthur Baker. And and what they did is they started using like unique editing styles that had not been applied before to kind of create excitement within during the song during the number things would repeat like you know you know i've got i've got i've got the power power things like that and it just created this energy it created like this build-up and um and so i was like whoa you know that is so interesting let me figure out how to do it so i went back to the flea market and i knew that they did it on this thing called reel to reel which i never you know maybe maybe saw on television and like some you know documentary about nasa and space flights or whatever and um and then um i bought one and i had no instructions it must have cost like 20 25 dollars and and I'm sorry, it's, I, I just don't have a, such a super short version, Alex. I hope no, and let, me, let me tell you um, something. I'm really enjoying your story because <laughs> those out there that, that did not live through this time, I mean, it's just the excitement of getting one thing, getting the other thing. And, and nowadays, everything's just handed to you. And, uh, wow. uh, and, and it's right there to get. And, and there's, no, there's no, you know, you had the passion, the creativity. You found a way to do it. And it's a great story because it's just, you know, that you, had, wow. you had challenges to get to get to do it, you know, to, to be able and it, to... And it doesn't feel like a challenge where all you have no, to do is exciting, have the patience. Right, challenge. right. You, you, all you have to do is have the patience to discover. And somehow inside of you, when you know that you need to figure out how to do something that you don't know what that is yet, mm-hmm. then just the 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 energy that goes through you to want to discover that and then all of a sudden they, then all of a sudden the the, the universe comes together mm-hmm. and then I'm, I'm working in this record store and i meet this puerto rican guy mm-hmm. and he buys records and i'm selling him records and we're i'm you know and since i'm only like 16 years old like you mm-hmm. know most people i i was trying to be respectful of legends coming into the store like larry levan coming to buy records and stuff just trying to like not push my ideas on them just to tell them how appreciative I I am of people appreciating them when they go out to the club Mm -hmm. and play, you know, you know, the plain, um, you know, uh, hot stuff, not hot stuff by Donna Summer, but like, uh, um, well, they're hits. Playing those big, those mm-hmm. big, dis- big disco songs, and and then you know that 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 next week people just running into the record store to buy. I specialize in love, and you know songs like that. So um, this Puerto Rican guy comes in, and he actually is just like, yeah, man, you know, I'm doing my mixtapes, and you know, and I'm doing all this cool kind of stuff that I'm learning from this guy that I hear him doing it named Chef Pettibone. And I said, how are you doing it? He's like, with the pause button. I was like, no, man, no way. You know what I mean? And he's like, let me hear it. And then, and then he goes, and then he plays it for me, and his paws are seamless. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he has a cassette deck that's a double cassette that, you know, again, 
This is like sometimes, you know, sometimes you, the tools are what you make out of it, what you make of it. And this guy was playing this amazing stuff. I was like, you know, I got a real to real at my mother's house and I have a cassette deck and I go and I use pause to repeat things. But since I only have, I go from pause on a cassette and then I transfer it to a real to real and then I, then I do an edit. And then I take it back to cassette, and then I lay a record over it. He's like, "Oh man, I want to do stuff like that." That I didn't have science. Yeah, I was just by the by the time I finished my idea, like the recording was so blurry because you're like taping over tape and then retaping over tape. But at least you got your point across. So he and I came to my mother's house, and I went to his mother's house and worked on pause and and like you know with DJing and his you know he lived in the projects in Spanish Harlem. Uh-huh. I live in the I lived in the projects in East New York, Brooklyn, and then all of a sudden we're like you know we have a lot in common. I think that we should you know we should work on like some mixtapes together mm-hmm. and figure out what that means. And I just you know and the, his name is Alba Cabrera and he's a legendary musical figure in dance music and you know regardless of whether you know from there spawned you know this group called the latin rascals yep. that um that uh that i love we did not, <laughs> <laughs> that we did not give ourselves that name mm-hmm. how, how did that did, yeah how did that come about we we did these mixtapes and one of the customers at the record store who would come was a program director at a radio station that was the biggest dance radio station in New York City called WKTU. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, he I would sell records to him and he was one of those unique program directors that before the corporate takeover of the universe mm-hmm. that he was able to put songs in there that were not commercially available at this point that were that were that were like you know that were uh imports from out of this country so mm-hmm. there were culture club songs that came out mm-hmm. you know boy george that came out that he would play on the radio i think do, do you really want to hurt me was like an import that wasn't even commercially available in the united states and wow. there were other dance songs that he would play and then anytime so when you worked at a record store that specialized in imports it wasn't like you get 75 copies of something that's hot mm-hmm. you get three and then you got a way to ship for a shipment to come from the united kingdom that goes to a distributor that goes to everything so i just love that the fact that he had the not power he had the freedom to listen to things and play them and mm-hmm. so this was a radio station that played uh, some of the DJ tapes from Shep Pettibone. Mm-hmm. You know, Shep Pettibone also worked at 98.7 Kiss. So basically, on one occasion, he was selling so many records, and I just gathered mm-hmm. up the nerve to say, you know, I do mix tapes. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, would you ever consider listening to one of mine? You know, and and I played him. I said, this is me and my partner, Albert Cabrera, that we're working on music together. I played him the cassette tape with nobody else was in the record store. You know, he went on some random weekday like 15 minutes before they closed. He was like, yo, that's like really good. And he was like, and he was like, well, uh, I want to play that tomorrow on Paco Supermix on WKTU primetime, wow. you guys. And I'm like, he goes, where's your reel to reel? I was like, uh, it's a cassette. I mean, I had to transfer it back and forth. It's like, you need to put this on a reel-to-reel and submit it to me tomorrow. Um, you know, radio personality. Listen to the tape. He called us 
the Latin lovers first. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, he played this tape, and then from what the story that they told me is that the lights went ringing on the radio station. Mm-hmm. And people were like, what the heck is that? So what he did is like they played it again. And they were like, that's it. You know, you guys got to come back. You need to do one for us like two or three times a week. We were so excited. Of course. We can, yeah. Listening to yourselves on the radio is way different than listening to it at your mother's house. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, um, and so on one occasion, we were recording him playing our mix. This is like in the first week. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? These are the Latin rascals. And that's what I'm talking about. And we recorded it a cappella. And then so after that, every DJ tape that we made, we kept putting the Latin rascals, Latin rascals, 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 rascals. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, before I knew it, we had our own floor on the Puerto Rican Day Parade. I didn't know what was going on, except that some phenomenon was being built, building itself around this. And um, our tapes are like, getting so popular. We're starting to do some DJ gigs. And we're still not even 20 years old yet. You know, we're kind of living the life because we don't really have to make that kind of income where, like, we need to put a deposit down, yeah. like, first month on an apartment. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still doing this stuff out of our mother's house, and now they're giving us some money so we get to buy a real reel-to-reel mm-hmm. that, you know, that operates with what people would, were doing in regards to what we were doing. Things were clearer. And then um, and then we get this call, like, the song called, comes out called Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, by Cindy Lauper, and then we were doing some really interesting stuff in there, I guess to whoever was listening and that wanted to be in Cindy Lauper's producer. And he called he called the radio station, who then gave him the call the phone number to my mother's house, and he was like, Can I speak to Tony Moran? She's like, Well, my mom's like, Excuse me, excuse me, who's calling? You know, <laughs> you know, like my mom is that Latino woman, you know, yeah, yeah. she's like, excuse me, and you know, <laughs> my son. You know what I mean? You ever, you ever, you ever <laughs> saw Kipasa USA? <laughs> My mom is Kipasa USA. Yeah. So, so um, he's so he gets me on the phone. He's like, he's like, look, Tony, and if you to come to my studio and whatever you did, the girls just want to have fun. I'm working on Cindy Lauper's record right now, wow. and I need for you to do that to this new song. What did you feel at that moment? I didn't even understand. I had never been in a recording studio before. Uh-huh. We went, you know, we went over there. And then so he gives us this tour of the studio, which to me at that time, I felt like I was in, you know, I felt like I was um, in a space station or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was just so awestruck. But he did not care that we were two 18 or 19 year old guys. He didn't, you know, he didn't care. He used to see that there were these two people who were hard. And he was like, you know, I love what you're doing, man. I think that you should do that to this. Um, do you need for me to tell you anything? I'm just going to leave you in the studio. And will you give me something tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Like, he left us in his recording studio. Mm-hmm. And to work on a project, you know, Cindy Lauper. But, like, nobody showed us how to do anything. Mm-hmm. We didn't know how to work anything. So, he and I, this guy, Albert and I, was like, we were taking our SATs or something, and we read every manual. We didn't even know how to cue up the tape on those more sophisticated machines. The next thing you know, you know, we did it. By the time he came in the next day, fortunately, it was in the afternoon. Of course, we had not slept, but when you're like 18 or 19 years old, like, it doesn't show in your eyes right away. And he loved what we did. From that moment on, he would let us work on the movie soundtrack, and, you know, like, you... you, you, you and started escalating. We, we got, 
And then it's like, yeah, like Sidney Poitier works in the room, and then he has to work on the Rolling Stones, and Mick Jagger comes in the room, and then Bono comes in the room, and then now Rogers comes in the room. He asked me, he says, I need to introduce you to Duran Duran. You need to do your stuff. You need to, like, put that out there. And all of a sudden, we just started working on all these records, not just from being given tapes, but mm-hmm. the artists would come in, and it's like, I'm, I edited Born in the USA, and, like, you know, like you know, Bruce Springsteen comes in the room. That is huge. That is huge. As, <laughs> like, and I think, like, what and are I you think doing? especially at that time, that is, you know, uh, now nowadays I think everything's so saturated. But in that oh. time, just seeing any any celebrity, it was it was a lot more powerful. The music was was really beginning to embrace um, electronic music as an example. Planet Rock. A-E-I-O-U. So my boss was the producer and the writer of Planet Rock, Planet mm-hmm. Patrol, A-E-I-O-U. For those who don't remember, like a lot of our electronic music really stems from what was done then, like, you know, groups like New Order and uh, Pet Shop Boys. So all of these world-class musicians from all around the world, you know, that were joining in to make all of this pop commercial rock music and all that kind of stuff said, well, you know, we'll help you do it, you know? So Cover Girls by Show Me was pretty much done. Like all mm-hmm. people doing the music, you know, for basically nothing for us, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, like, you know, basically helping us guide. And it's like, you know, I knew how to work a drum machine. I didn't know what freestyle was. I didn't know that AEIOU would or Planet Rock would have different beats the way that I, the way that Albert and myself put it together. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden it was like, yo, man, you got something going on here. And so all of the background singers that were working on all these giant projects for all these big bands, we saw them all the time. So, and we just also happened to be all the same age. And then, and then we wrote a song called Show Me. Show Me, Show Me, You Really Love Me. Actually, mm-hmm. it's louder than words. So, and we did that with Andy. Um, mm-hmm. You really love me. Yeah, Action speak louder than words. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, again, you know, all this kind of stuff. I guess I can say that it happened so fast, but it was really what my whatever success that I that people could credit me for having for whatever it is I've done for musically has only been because uh, I've been opened this doorway emotionally to express myself from the heart. Yeah, and you know, having people receptive to that. Some people do things all on their own, and that's how they like to keep it. I was just part of this like jam session, and I loved it. I loved it. I don't care how many things I had to put together. So when was the first time that you got in front of the mic and sang? Basically, I was just like um, sitting in a room where Andy Panda, Mark Anthony, Anastasia, and Sapphire, and they were just basically saying, man, you got to do your own stuff. Abba, throw down a beat. And then I'm with Andy Panda and Sapphire and Mark Anthony, and they're just like letting the music play. And it was like, and we were working on a song that was based off a of class, doing freestyle versions of, of, of classical hits, like, you know, stuff like that. And Arabian Nights, the general music came from a classical piece called March Slav. Now, I have no, at that moment, I had no great education of classical hits and what they meant, what they meant to me. Um, it just wound up being that we had to select a group of songs that were available for me to work on because it's called that those kind of musical pieces are 
fall into the uh, fall into a group called public domain, which means that you could actually work on that music and flip it around, and nobody can sue you for adjusting it. Mm-hmm. And um, so while this beat is playing and that classical song is playing over our beats, you know Albert and you know Albert Cabrera and Sapphire and Mark Anthony just say, "Oh yeah, I'm feeling like this." Uh, uh, Arabian because the song sounded Arabian. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, so all of a sudden it's like they just started singing and all of a sudden came out Arabian nights and I'm sitting in the room and I'm like, it's like, I'm just trying to catch up to them. I go, Oh, it just happened. Like mm-hmm. that just happened. And so it was like, Oh man, let's rock this out. Let's rock this out. What's the story? And I was like, I can't, I can't think of it. I can't think of it. Let's just work on it. And Andy Pan just sitting on the pad. And I think he wrote most of the verses in the toilet because he needed them in and there was no place <laughs> for privacy. And so basically, we put ourselves in this moment, we were all put in a genie bottle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where everything had, you know, we became spiritual, what spiritual means to you when you're not on drugs and you're in a recording studio, mm-hmm. hanging with your friends and an Arabic kind of, you know, like instrumentation is going on behind and you. And that's so high. Mm-hmm. And none of us had ever, and none of us had ever traveled before. So when Andy was writing lyrics for, like, I've been to France and England and the shores of Timbuktu, mm-hmm. like, you know, there are no shores in Timbuktu. I still don't even know where Timbuktu is. <laughs> it was just we were doing things that sounded outlandish to us, and that rhymed. Mm-hmm. But nothing can compare to a strange land where I met you. And I remember all of them just like egging me on. So like Albert was like, I don't want to sing. I don't want to sing. And so then I had no real choice but to go and go do it. And I didn't really, I think that in the case of the song Arabian Nights, the vocal is part of a character that they helped me to get into to get the message out and not feel embarrassed while I was singing it. So however each one of those lyrics are and however outlandish, or far-fetched mm-hmm. that they may be in actuality. In that moment, we saw sands. You know, yeah. we saw the sands of Baghdad. You know, we saw all those things, and it all meant something to us. And all of a sudden, like, this is cool. Who else is in the room? Little Louis Vega, who we used to bring all our jams to. That was playing at a club mm-hmm. called Devil's Nest at mm-hmm. the time, and a club called Hot Throb in New York. So all of these, we had no, you know. We didn't know what an icon or any of that stuff meant. All we were doing was trying to like be around each other as much as possible because mm-hmm. we all loved the same things. Whether yeah. it was like whether it was like the diner on Twenty Third Street, on the South Bronx, you know, or mm-hmm. wherever. Like we just did everything like a rat pack. Yeah. We were we were a rat pack, which eventually turned into like you know. Uh, this thing of freestyle and so little mm-hmm. louis vega started playing this song this club called the devil's nest by the time that i got the song got released like mm-hmm. he played it for a year before a record company put it out mm-hmm. so back th- again that was back in the days where the only time you could hear a song there was no spotify no itunes the radio or you had to go to the club exactly you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so there's these clubs that are you know located in new york it was just like one was called the devil's nest but 
Show Me was already such a hit before the song came out mm -hmm. because we recorded the vocal as a demo mm -hmm. before we ever put music on it. The best thing is you were creating a beat that was different. You were, you guys did something that, you know, that was different. You weren't doing the norm. We did, you know, It Must Be You, mm -hmm. which was, again, was just like, you know, Albert's in the room and is making beats. Um, I'm singing. And um, and all of a sudden, it's like, I can feel my heartbeat pounding when... And so... I'm next to you. The, okay. yeah, when I'm next <laughs> to you. And I, so a lot of the lyrics that we were incorporating into our music at that time had kind of some kind of... We were able to put lyrics to things that we in our mind can actually believe like something that was physical your heart be pumping being next to you body burning you know so it's just wanted to be that we um so we wrote that song and we didn't know what it was going to be like and then all of a sudden like you know history repeats itself with how that song was so you know was so appreciated without having the traditional Latino chords that have been in other music mm -hmm. that is not related to freestyle. It's amazing. It's just when mm -hmm. you do it and it works, it works. Yeah. You know, yeah. no reason to cry. It has those like you know those chord progressions by Judy Torres, yeah. Cynthia, you know, and then George Amon, you oh, know, his music and when it comes to freestyle. Mm -hmm. You know, in regards to his music, he was able to use with "Bad of the Heart" mm -hmm. portions of what you may call like the the, the traditional or um, repeated approach to Latin chords to make mm -hmm. a dance track. Mm -hmm. But Chris Barbosa and Mark Liggett, who produced Bad of the Heart and many of his, you know, Where Does That Lead Love and, you know, many songs thereafter, you know, we're going to the next level with it. And, you know, they, they were also extreme, you know, true pioneers of, um, uh, and they, you know, and people didn't mind you working with their people at that time. So the same... You know, people that were working for Chris and Mark, Chris Barbosa and Mark Lewitt, both that people like, you know, you know, revere their memories that, you know, they're still alive. They put so much effort, even when the budget ran out, to make that let the music play like sound like it was unique to something else. It also did not hurt for anybody who's interested in the technical aspect that all of the people who worked on those records originally with us, mm -hmm. who were engineers, basically just came out of internship. Wow. And the reason that they worked for us was because they could do it for cheap, but we would spend all night in the studio trying to figure out what our beat should really sound like. And because they weren't charging by the hour in that way, we were able to spend all night to create, you know, like Mantronics, you know, who did all in all. You, you are my all in all. You. And then, again, it's like I mentioned George Zaman, because like when he did Where Does That Leave Love, mm -hmm. like that oh, song that was like, mm -hmm. exactly. And I was like, you know, I'm too busy liking what you're doing, George, for me to be that jealous of you. You know what I mean? I just recorded with, with George Mom. I just recorded a new song with him. And uh, and we're in the studio, and now we've just been around together. So I can't exactly, I can't exactly sing Battle of the Heart with him because I probably would not be able to hit all those notes. You know, where does that leave love and look into my eyes? Just without all had, you. They all came. Yeah. Without you. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, you got to leave me room for like a couple others except George Mom. Yeah, as, much as, I, as I much as I love him. But he stepped it up and he gave, he gave, he expressed another talent pool that just only allowed our spectrum to be more vivid. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so freestyle songs, um, Change On Me, yeah. Cynthia, 
All My Top Ten, No Reason to Cry, Judy Torres, Silent Morning, Noel. Oh, I'm not saying the obvious. I'm just saying this is the things that like move me. How about the questions? You know, the questions. Yeah, but I wrote that. So you're yeah. talking about that to you, man. So, um, I didn't know you wrote yeah. that. I get that. I love that song. Uh, I had no idea what the name of the song was going to be. I had already done the music in order to provide us, you know, some kind of to, to, to provide rhythms, mm-hmm. you know, so that we can come up with something. And believe me, like we were writing these lyrics and we didn't even know the way that the, the, the sentence was going to end. Because the question that I have to ask since I have the chance to ask it is after all this time's got by, all this mm-hmm. time's got by, please tell me why. So yeah. it's just one of those things. I, love, just, I, love, you... I think about <laughs> the times we had so yeah. much good. It makes me mad. <laughs> yeah. and well, you know, and that was because, you know, that part happened because, you know, I'm like, I love the way this song is going, but there's just something about like, like a child that play that oh, I yeah. feel like there's this section that's missing. It's mm-hmm. like a, you know, it's just like a, you know, like a, a bridge or something. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, Noel was really open to it. And he's just like, and back in the age, you know, Back in those days, like everybody had to sing those records. You, you know, you have to live with your performance. Mm-hmm. You know, no every song that Noel sang, there's no auto tune, there's no fixing the notes, there's no any of that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. any note that's not exactly where you want it to be, you can live with that. But that is the musical piece. This is TKA. You know, this, TKA. Well, those are my babies. So yeah, it's like, I mean, that's, they're, like they're, that's the closest actually, to you know one of my favorites for sure. No, my favorite one is Give Your Love to Me. Give Your Love yeah. to Me. I love that song. Yeah. Excuse me, Fall, I, I, we wrote with Kay, with, with mm-hmm. KL, Andy Panda and myself wrote with him. Mm-hmm. And, Louder uh, Than Love. Had, Louder Than Love was written by KL mm-hmm. and Joey Gardner, who's another amazing producer that did all those great songs like Maria. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which Maria was like, she was fine. Mm-hmm. The girl came from the project. She, she had a long long hair. And he sounded like that. <laughs> <laughs> and a body beyond compare. And then the whole a drug dealer. Be, a drug de- <laughs> she had a boyfriend, a drug dealer, <laughs> but I didn't mind. <laughs> so she wants to be with me. I love it. <laughs> so he's amazing. Mm-hmm. And actually, for everyone who wants to know, TK has a brand new record. I'm not trying to be a commercial. Is it love? But I love is it love. Is it love? We yeah. sang together, uh-huh. uh, K7 and myself. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a new song out there called Slipping Through My Hands, which is like one of the most popular new freestyle songs that are out. Slip into my hand? Yeah. Slip, slipping Through My Hands. Okay, cool. I'm going to look for it. I just got it on iTunes, mm-hmm. and I'm so proud of him. And he's working with other other producers that are re-inspiring mm-hmm. freestyle Are you guys keeping – are you guys uh, – keep freestyle 2020, are you guys trying to keep the same beat? Because that's what I, I mean, well – are you are you changing it a bit? What do you think? Well, so I'm not doing that music myself specifically, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying that. So what I just um, what I just noticed is that you know there's always the next level of doing of of making your music, and then me because I've already done this so many times before. Mm-hmm. When I think of doing freestyle, or even if I've done some demos since then, mm-hmm. I cannot help develop to. De- you know, to include the skills that I've honed between then and now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't put much of it out, but when I hear, like, for example, what this producer, Willie Valentine is doing with, you know, with the new TK song and that people are receiving it with such, in such an amazing way, I'm like, he's like, basically the way he's 
in my eyes, to my point of view, he is expressing freestyle in a way that's saying, wait, we're not done yet. These stories are let still. There's stories that are still yet to be written that will include what we found to be most dynamic in the traditional freestyle sound. Mm -hmm. And so that's what he's doing. And I think that other people will come out. And K7 did a great job when he did, like, you know, his K7 jams, like Come Baby Come, mm -hmm, and things like mm -hmm. that. And was able to find a way where rap or hip-hop music, you know, meets, meets freestyle music. And then, you know, and then I started, you know, then I started producing, like, Gloria Stefan and Cher yeah. and stuff like that. And I, my boss, and, my ex-boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so, um. So when you know working for them, mm -hmm. the best way for me to have worked with Gloria Stefan, you know, recording all the vocals on the album that I produced with her and, mm -hmm. and Emilio, mm -hmm. um, is that you know it just it had the I guess the experience for me to have produced people before where I knew that it's all about expressing yourself and expressing it and around surrounded by. Um, true professionals that they know the reason I have a producer in the room is because I need for you to, to find the best of me from your point of view mm -hmm. without doing anything to distort their perception of themselves. And, uh, and so that was my experience with Gloria mm -hmm. and Cher was just like, you know, anytime Cher sang on a song that I worked on, she was just like, okay, I'm going to do it now. And mm -hmm. she gave you Cher. If I recorded Patty LaBelle, Patty mm -hmm. gave you Patty, mm -hmm. you know, Whatever she could remember what, from what, Melody, what, she out said. Out of all the artists uh, you've worked with, um, because everybody, you know, I, for example, I've, I've interviewed a lot of, plenty of artists, but I only get excited about the ones that I grew up with. Or like, for example, I'm interviewing you and I'm excited uh, interviewing you. So I, I get excited when, I, when I'm about to interview someone that meant something in, as I grew up or, um, or you know, that I, that I, that I admired so much. Um, Thank you. Out of, out of, yeah, out of everyone, as as far as you, out of everyone that you've worked with, because you've worked with so many artists, um, who was who was one that that stands out in your mind that you were pretty, you know, you had a little butterflies and you were excited to meet because it meant something to you. Luther Vandross, ah. because because um, with him wanting to meet me to produce him an R&B artist when I was still only doing dance music mm -hmm. was like, whoa, like how does he even know who I am? You know? And, um, and meeting with him and writing songs with him in the room, mm -hmm. you know, and hearing him sing, like I just, I've heard amazing singers throughout my whole life. Mm -hmm. and I just never saw somebody sing something so beautifully from a physical view, like watching him sing a note behind four humidifiers going, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? In mm -hmm. a room mm -hmm. with me, Mariah's in the next room, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he is just, it's a, it was a magical, God rest his soul, it was mm -hmm. a magical experience for him to respect my opinion and to see him mm -hmm. do his craft and, you know, you know, in all time, there's amazing singers. Like, I love working with John Cicada because we were like two kids in the candy store. I love recording him. His personality was so great. Awesome. Some, pe some people that I work with, like I've been in Celine Dion and sang to Celine Dion with Emilio Stefan in the room. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, you know, I, I can't get beyond the butterflies that I had in my stomach mm -hmm. and the fact that she even wanted to pay attention to stuff. And, of course, you know, Emilio Stefan was 
a humongous reason why the people were in the room were respected to be in the room. Let's just work on before he before Donna Summer passed away. I was producing Donna Summer, mm-hmm. and so uh, I was working on a you know prior to this was working on a duet with Donna Summer and Barry Manilow doing a uh, remake of Could This Be Magic? Could this be the magic at last? Could this be magic? Whoever knows that, it's mm-hmm. a disco buff. But, you know, sitting next to him at the piano, and he's like, I'll be Donna. You be Barry. I'm like, seriously? You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you have to sing the different parts. Yeah. It's a duet. Mm-hmm. And there's all kind of key changes because when it comes to guy and girl duets, I mean, just knowing that this could happen, Mm-hmm. And had it happened, you know, it doesn't matter. At least the moment happened where I knew that this was a possibility. Donna Summer, Barry Manilow, Tony Moran producing them. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. mom, I've done something. Yes. Yes. What, yeah. what does mom say about all this? My, she's just been so supportive from everything. Again, to having all my friends over and, you know, we owned, my parents owned the dry cleaners in the ghetto. And, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, as, as while, while we were living there, um, it wasn't the economy. It was just like, you know, drugs came into play in our neighborhoods. And, you know, just like you watch in New Jack City, if anybody's ever seen that movie, like the neighborhood deteriorated so quickly because, you know, just because that's what, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what those drugs did to people. And so, you know, I'd be playing the dry cleaners. I would turn my speakers outside the window Mm -hmm. and I'd pump up the bass. And I felt like I had to do a set. Everybody in the neighborhood is listening. And the fact was that not everybody in the neighborhood was listening mm-hmm. is that everybody in the neighborhood had no choice but to listen because <laughs> I had my speakers out the window <laughs> and blasting it at full volume. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. When you look back at your career, right, what, yeah. what stands out? What's the biggest highlight? What's the, the most thing you're thankful for or that you can, you can remember being most excited about? I could breathe, you know, like for every other mistake that I've made in life, mm-hmm. at least I've been able to like have this anchor where I could say that at some place I can say that my intentions are based with the ultimate sincerity as I can only start from there and mistakes along the way means I started from a good place and not everything I've done is right and you know I don't Mm -hmm. spend a lot of time figuring out like what I could have done better is what do I do with what I have and and how could I share you know whether it's knowledge or sometimes the greatest gift that you can share is optimism with people and just let them know that it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Just let them know it doesn't matter if the DJ got the gig that you didn't get, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. You know, it's, it's basically you keep doing the best of you and you stay committed. It's not a guarantee for success. Mm-hmm. Guarantee that you don't have to turn back and saying that you sold yourself out. Because the thing with you, Tony, is that you had the passion. You didn't, you didn't look at the competition. You looked at what you were doing and you gave it your all. And that's mm-hmm. why everything got accomplished. Everything came to you. Everything was developed that way. Because when you focus on your competition, when you focus on how you set the gig, uh, I think the person's just shooting themselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's sometimes it's like I'm, I'm DJing in some places and mm-hmm. I'm just, I just tell all the other DJs that are there and I'm sure many of the DJs that have, you know, that have been in this business for a long time go into a place and when you're standing in the DJ booth for all those people that are appreciating you mm-hmm. I'm not really spending a lot of time on the hater but what it mm-hmm. is I kind of just kind of feel for the person who's staring at me saying I'm not just going to be you I'm going to be better than you you know what I mean mm-hmm. and you see them looking at you like that uh, and like you know and, and so when you I'm come like, from you know, a place of, corporate, of everybody together making it happen and then you're seeing huh. that yeah. I'm like yeah so when they go on I'm like man knock it out 
Knock it out. They're here for you. Take advantage of that moment. They must, not know, you, they not, they must not know your history because, you know. They think I'm so many of them. I can see them. It's like, you are so full of crap. You're just saying that. You must have got out of fortune cookie or just Gandhi <laughs> or something like that. But I mean it because it's like, that was what, that's the way, you know, back in my day, like, you know, mm-hmm. people, and still to this day, there are a lot of people that are doing stuff in all kinds of music, whether it's rock, jazz, whatever. People are in there to do stuff and and knock it out. And they're rooting. Like, you have to knock it out for me to knock it out. Have you, uh, did you ever get to meet uh, Peter Roth? I did meet Peter Roth, and I DJ with him several times, mm-hmm. several times at the Roxy. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he wasn't a private person. He just was kind of like a, a camp, you know, he had his crew. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, he's asked for me to DJ with him. I requested for him to DJ with me. And, you know, and, and, uh, and I really respected, I have respected his work. So, However, it is that he made stuff happen. Mm-hmm. Like when I hear remixes like "Beautiful" mm-hmm. by Christina Aguilera, I'm like, that is art. That is truly art. Let me see, Maya. What do you? Uh, how about Maya? Maya, I think is amazing. I think she's an incredible songwriter that it. has mm-hmm. created a signature that is like none other. Mm-hmm. And for someone who's living in Israel, yeah. you know what I mean, can put together over and over again this collection of feelings mm-hmm. with this melody. Yes. They, they definitely sound like they should be together, but it's not It's not a Xerox copy. Her song, her, her music, the lyrics and stuff remind me of freestyle. They do. Because you could play, you could do it, easily do a freestyle version yeah. of any of her songs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from the first time. I love that yeah. song. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Um, all right. So what do you just do nowadays? Which is do you like? Well, because this is DJs and DJ artists, producers and songwriters so that, you know, you're going into like multi categories. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to like listen to go, if I'm going to hear a DJ play, mm-hmm. I want to hear like Danny Toro. Because mm-hmm. what he does is like full impact. I know Danny. You know he's, he's, he's amazing. Yeah. I love Danny. Yeah. And he's so fast. And he, I like the beat. I like the, the rhythm. Yeah. The rhythm is fast. He plays fast. Yeah. That's what I like. Yeah, he's very good. But we DJ sometimes and we're sitting there mm-hmm. and he's a very opinionated person. I adore him for that. Dang, and he's <laughs> like, you know, Tony, we just need to bang them out. And I know you're all about the quote unquote journey, but we need to bang them out. And I was like, I said, Danny, that's why we're playing together because we incorporate. What is the latest stuff you've been doing? Um, well, so I've been working on a bunch of new music. And then um, I'm actually working on a freestyle project, to be honest, that is um, with Andy Panda Tripoli, who I've written like many successful freestyle songs. Mm-hmm. Idea is still there. We were hoping to have it out this summer, but we really need to have, you know, all those songs done. And basically, we wanted to create an album that celebrates freestyle by by artists that you have celebrated celebrated for freestyle. That would be amazing. And I tell other DJs when they have their you know their big song of the moment or whatever, and it's just like remember, paying it forward is is the best residual that you can get from your work mm-hmm. because it comes back to you every time. It may not come back to you today or tomorrow, or whatever, but you can look back and you know I know that I paid it forward. I know that I've contributed and I know that I've done my best, you know, to be in the room and to have an ear. And I can't be, you know, I can't be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. Again, I could look back and not be and and not and not feel bad that I couldn't that I wasn't trying to do the best of me through whatever challenges that have been going on around me. <laughs> so let's do it. Meaning you can do it, you know, or you can do it where you know that you tried. You know, this the science of having a hit song is a combination of your creativity, your work, your dedication to your work, and also time. 
to find your way, figure out what's going to make you stylistically with using so much of the same content that other people use to find an identity with you. Some reason that people can, you know, and you could use everything that, you know, either God has gifted you with or the talents that you're looking, that, that, that you're investing to develop yourself. Mm-hmm. And that can include all kinds of things. How to market yourself. How to, you know, do a free gig. Prove yourself. You know what I mean? I go in and DJ and I, you know, I'm like, look, for all the love that I know that might be out there tonight, I'm willing to prove myself from the beginning of my set to the end of it. I do my homework. Loved having you on, on the show. And I thank you mm-hmm. so much for telling us your, your story, your journey which I'm sure, yeah, I think this story will inspire. Well, in, in, in letting people know that they, you know, they have to believe in themselves to make that effort to try. When freestyle, just like disco, just like rock music, you know what I mean? At some point it died. And you know, this, this music dies for a period without any, basically people abandoned it or they were embarrassed by it or whatever. And, and I remember, doing uh and i remember going to record companies after having platinum albums and gold albums all you know around my wall for different accomplishments and then and then going into some record companies and people saying that stuff ain't happening anymore man sorry not interested wow not interested and so you know it was like i wasn't expecting that but i had to like think about what do i do with that so basically i said let me prove it to myself let me prove it to myself hence an opportunity came for me to remix a song for Laurier Stefan for free called I'm Not Giving You Up. And two years later, I was producing her album. If you feel that, you know, that creative spirit in you, don't wait for somebody to hire you to do it. Do it. Thank you so okay. much, Tony. Um, Thank you. Okay, Tony, one more thing. Don't fall, don't fall off the pod. The pod. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap. For more pod with me, you can go to alexjagio.com. Hey, and don't forget to download our app. Ah, and if you love the 80s and all the retro stuff, you're going to love my new channel. It's called Back to Retro on YouTube. Check it out. Thanks for listening. And remember, don't fall off the pod. <laughs>